Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, my kids have told me for actually a few years that Facebook is a dinosaur. Nobody uses Facebook anymore. I can see why. Because Facebook has a business model that could be a business model founded in communist China. I certainly am not going to spend a lot of time on this, given we have three hours before tomorrow's election. And I will be here at 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live. If your station doesn't carry it live, shame on them. But you can find us at um, marklevinshow.com, where you can live stream us. The Mark Levin app. The iHeartRadio app. uh, Obviously, satellite radio. And I can't think of anything else, but that's where you, you so, so it's easy to get us live. Oh, you can go to your local, go to another station's uh, website, and of course they live stream the show as well, if the show's being carried live. So there's many ways to get around tape-delayed uh, programming, uh, and uh, program directors will figure that out as time goes on. That said, ladies and gentlemen, Facebook has... Um, well, come on, the, come on the mic, Mr. Producer. Facebook has limited our reach on the eve of the election. Correct. Exactly. And they've limited our reach, Mr. Producer, how? They have to physically go to your Facebook show homepage to see your posts. They can't see it on their feeds. So in other words, folks, you have to physically go to my Facebook page. Uh, Facebook is not going to provide information about what I'm posting. Correct. Now, they're doing this as if I'm in third grade, you see, because they have a third-party reviewer by the name of PolitiFact. PolitiFact is a, in my view, a left-wing corrupt operation. 
part of the Pointner operation, which is also left-wing. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to strongly encourage you to leave Facebook and to follow me on Parler at Mark Levin Show. Go to Parler at Mark Levin Show. Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, at Mark Levin Show. Or go to Twitter at Mark Levin Show. Twitter at Mark Levin Show. I've had it with Facebook. They can do what they want. We will continue to simultaneously post, so it'll be in all three places. But I won't be looking at Facebook anymore. If you want to make comments, you should go over to Parler or you should go over to Twitter. Enough of us do this, uh, then uh, the consequences will be apparent. But again, I want to encourage you tonight, seriously, now, to go to Parler at Mark Levin Show, P-A-R-L-E-R at Mark Levin Show. You can follow us there. This is a truly wonderful site. It's a new site. It's trying to compete with Facebook and Twitter. They actually believe in the free exercise of opinions. Uh, They are not hiring third-party left-wing groups and pretending that they're going to police their websites. Twitter so far has not hammered us. So you can go to Twitter at Mark Levin Show as well. But that's where I'll be looking at comments and posts and so forth if you want to interact with us. No longer will we be uh, interacting on Facebook. We'll be there. They'll be there. But my kids are right. They're a dinosaur. They're a dinosaur run by leftists. And enough is enough. I will be on Hannity tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. I hope you will watch us there. I want to say this also about Dr. Fauci until we move on. Dr. Fauci has shown his true colors. Remember those love notes he wrote to Hillary Clinton? Fauci's been in Washington 50 years. He's been in his current position 37 years. The same job. You have to be a bureaucratic infighter of the, of the most vicious kind to hold a job for 37 years. All these younger experts, younger scientists, younger doctors who might have been aligned for that position, that means he had to stop every damn one of them. And so he's been buddies with Biden for half a century. He worked with Biden on the swine flu in 2009, where they were both a disaster. Absolute disaster. And it's amazing to me how he has no responsibility when the, the uh, federal government lacked ventilators, and the president had to step in and deal with it. It lacked PPE, like masks. I mean, he's been there 50 years in the federal government, 37 years in the current position, that it was Trump who had to get rid of red tape in order to get therapeutics and vaccines going. Fauci didn't. And Fauci has been constantly now taking jabs at the president as we go up to the general election, and now he's out of the closet. He's all in for Biden. Fauci early on telling us not to wear a mask. Now you're not supposed to go anywhere without a mask. Fauci early on telling us that this, this killer virus was really no big deal, much like the flu. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to waste time playing it, but you know what I'm talking about. Now everybody needs to be locked down and shut down. And I want you to understand something. It's not the job of a president to take an advice of a long-term bureaucrat and then do what the bureaucrat says without looking at all the other consequences and situations that are out there. Fauci is not the head doctor or the head scientist of the federal government or the United States. He runs one branch of the bureaucracy. That's it. And you don't need to be in the bureaucracy 50 years to tell us, wear a mask and six feet socialized. And that's all he's got. 
He's turned science on its head. He's politicized it. He attacks other doctors who don't agree with him. Doctors, top doctors from Stanford and Yale, from Oxford, from all over the country, all over the world, if you don't agree with Fauci. I've never seen a guy who wants to be on TV as much as him. He's like the Michael Avenatti of the, uh, of the scientific field, Mr. Producer, without all the lawlessness and the rest. What I mean is the guy can't stop going on TV. That's the point. Shame on Dr. Fauci. I wonder if he's taken any classes lately. I don't think he has any patience. All right. We'll keep pounding away on Facebook, but tonight's not the time. I've already made my case. I will not be visiting Facebook anymore. If you want your comments and your thoughts to be read by me, you're going to have to post on Parler and or Twitter. I won't be looking at comments anymore on Facebook. It is a dinosaur, and I'm just not putting up with it anymore. I'm not dealing with it anymore. Quinn Hillier, over at the Washington Examiner, did a little bit of digging the other day. Just to show you how long Biden's been around. And he has a, uh, a quote from Ronald Reagan. He was reading Ronald Reagan's diaries, and he found a Reagan comment about Biden. Now, Reagan is not a vicious man. He doesn't call people names and that sort of thing. But he found something interesting in Reagan's diaries, specifically about Joe Biden. He says, I happen to be reading Ronald Reagan's presidential diaries right now. Just last night, I came across a concise gem of insight into what and who Joe Biden always has been. Reagan's diaries were handwritten, often in a sort of shorthand with rushed, sketchy spelling, but they're insightful and illuminating about the life schedule and portfolio of a president. Even in private diaries, Reagan's sunny personality and quick wit shine brightly. Even his criticisms of his political opponents usually lack harsh edges. But Biden really rubbed Reagan the wrong way. The key entry came on June 15, 1987. This was just three days after perhaps the single most famous speech of Reagan's presidency. The one where he stood in front of Berlin's Brandenburg Gate and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was the signature moment encapsulating the Reagan doctrine, which asserted that Soviet communism could could be not just contained, but actually rolled back and eventually defeated. On the most important issue facing statesmen in Biden's entire, apparently never-ending career, Biden was completely wrong. He opposed Reagan at every step. And right after Reagan's wall speech, Biden again took the line that Reagan shouldn't dare provoke the Soviet bear. So on June 15, Reagan wrote in his diary about a meeting with some of his top aides. Quote, there was some talk about Senator Biden, now candidate for president. I saw him on CNN last night speaking to the John F. Kennedy School of Harvard University. He's smooth, but pure demagogue, out to save America from the Reagan doctrine. Yes, demagogue from Reagan. That's especially strong stuff. But it's entirely accurate. Biden's whole career was built on doing whatever it took to connect with an audience no matter how many fibs and exaggerations and plagiarisms it took, no matter how wrong his policies analyses were, and wrong they were, especially when it came to national defense and foreign policy. Former CIA Director and Defense Secretary Robert Gates, who served presidents of both parties, famously said, 
Biden had been wrong about nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Biden was wrong on the Reagan Doctrine, wrong on the 1980s defense buildup, wrong on the Strategic Defense Initiative. He was wrong to oppose the first Gulf War when a U.S.-led coalition deftly kicked Saddam Hussein's troops out of Kuwait. Under President Obama, Biden was wrong to advise against the mission to kill Osama bin Laden. And when President Trump ordered the successful and helpful killing of Iran's terrorist-supporting general, Qasem Soleimani, Biden opposed that too. A liberal friend of mine told me within this past year that Biden is a purely transactional politician. That's what makes demagoguery come so easy to him. His only conviction is that he should be president. So he'll say whatever it takes to get there. And on all the many times he is wrong, well, he'll just discard his demagoguery on the issue and move on to the next one. Well, if it's foreign or or defense policy, he'll be wrong on the next one as well. That would make him a dangerous president. That's why making him president is one transaction a lot of voters won't want to make. And there's more. Bernie Sanders let the bag, the uh, cat out of the bag. In a chat with the squad last Friday that was videotaped. And Yahoo has it. And you are only going to need 25 seconds of this to understand what's at stake in this election. And I'll play it when we come back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Sanders, in a virtual chat with the squad Friday, in other words, Marxists talking to Marxists, urges the squad to make sure Biden becomes the most progressive president ever. I want you to listen to this. Let me just put it to you this way. Those of you... To work with your hands? I don't care what you do. You're going to be out of work. They're targeting you. Oh, we're going to retrain you. They don't retrain anybody. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. These are people who haven't accomplished a damn thing. Talib, Omar, AOC, Presley, what have they done? What have they done? Sanders, what if they haven't done a damn? They're going to retrain you. No, they're going to indoctrinate you. Retraining. Retraining classes. Oh, can't, can't wait for those. What will that be like? A, uh, a college course where they teach you about Marx? 
So here they are, out in the open. Cut 16, go. But we understand that electing Biden is not the end all. It is the beginning. So our first task, we've made it clear to everybody, it's no great secret. Our first task, we've got to defeat the worst president in the modern history of this country. And number two. All right, all right let, let, let's stop. What an idiot. The worst president in the modern history of this country? Really? Perhaps he's not familiar with Woodrow Wilson, who was a segregationist and a racist. He doesn't think that Woodrow Wilson is the worst president in modern history? I mean, that's quite shocking. Franklin Roosevelt? He loves Franklin Roosevelt because Franklin Roosevelt was a socialist. Franklin Roosevelt also rounded up 110,000 Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent. That's not the worst president? Franklin Roosevelt also prevented Jews fleeing Nazi Germany from coming into the United States, and they sent that ship back, and three-fourths of them were murdered. Is that not one of the worst presidents of the United States? Franklin Roosevelt shut down newspapers, used the IRS, used the FBI. Donald Trump hasn't done any of these things. So this worst president in modern history, you know what, Bernie? You can shove it up your you-know-what. You're a stupid old red Marxist. That's all you are. You're a stupid man, and you're also a gutless wonder. We've invited you on this program, my Fox show, my Levin TV show, and you hide. You hide in your corner. You fool, you buffoon. You destroy every assembly line job in this country while claiming to represent the people, the workers of America. You'd shut down every smoke stack industry. You'd open the borders wide to illegal aliens rushing into the country, taking jobs away from American citizens. Free college. Of course they want free college. They want every kid to go to college so they can indoctrinate them and poison them and brainwash them. Sure, free. Go ahead. Organize our people to make sure that Biden becomes the most progressive president since FDR. That's, that's what I'm envisaging. Okay, got it, folks? All this crap about Biden being a moderate, Biden is going to, uh, you know, he's sort of he's going to unite the country. Nobody believes that unless you're a sucker. Nobody believes that for a second. And the Democrat Party's not going to tolerate that either. They're all in. They're all in with this Marxism. Why? Because they get much more powerful. That's why. Just remember, that 110-page Communist Manifesto that Biden signed off on was written by Sanders people. Isn't it amazing to you, ladies and gentlemen, there's not one major newsroom in America that's ever gone through that with you? That's never gone through the various chapters with you? Why isn't that? What are they, what are they hiding? I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association 
dating way back to 1844. Commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Obviously, one of the key states uh, tomorrow, and one of the biggest states tomorrow, is Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm sure you're monitoring this very, very closely. Tell America what you see, please. Well, there's a couple things with Florida. One is uh, we have added a net 200,000 new Republican registrations vis-a-vis the Democrats since the president won in 2016. Um, And so we've never been this close to Democrats in the history of the state. We're only 135,000 registered Republicans, fewer than registered Democrats. Of course, registered Republicans turn out at a higher rate than registered Democrats. So that's really good. Uh, The other thing is, is the Democrats have shifted most of their voting to vote by mail. Uh, And so we have finished today the in-person early vote and vote by mail. I mean, people can drop off ballots tomorrow, I guess, theoretically. Uh, But most of that is in. And I think the president's in a better position going into Election Day than he was in 2016. The Democrat ballots are about 120,000 more than the Republicans. But we have two to 300,000 high propensity voters more than the Democrats who have not yet voted. They will vote on Election Day. Most Republicans uh, like to vote in person, and many of them like to vote on Election Day. So we think that the race is very close going into Election Day, and we think that the president uh, getting the strong turnout that we expect from Republicans uh, will put it over the top uh, tomorrow. So, And I think part of that is there's a lot of great energy here. Uh, I was at the Miami rally the other night. I mean, it was like midnight, and people were really excited. And uh, you just don't see that with Joe Biden. I mean, there are a lot of liberal Democrats who are motivated to vote against Trump, uh, but there just aren't that many people who are motivated to vote for Biden. And I think if you look at how the president's doing much better in a place like Miami-Dade County, uh, really energizing Cuban-Americans and other Hispanic uh, voters down there, um, and then how Biden has not been able to energize kind of some of the key Democrat constituencies. Uh, I, I, think, I think the president's in better shape in 2020 going into Florida than he was in 2016. You know, you got more African-American votes than all the wise men and wise women uh, predicted. Uh, It looks like the president, as well as Hispanic votes, is probably going to get more African-American votes in Florida as well. Is is, is that right? I think so. I think, um, and, and, you know, there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, one is... Uh, how he was portrayed in the campaign as a threat to people that weren't white, basically. They've seen how he's governed. I mean, he's done a lot of things uh, that really have resonance, I think, across the board. And uh, and so I just don't think you see kind of the – I think the hatred for Trump is really concentrated with white leftists. Um, and so I think he's been able to appeal to African Americans. Uh, and he's not going to win, you know, 50 percent. But to go from like 8 percent 
to 13%, which I think he can do, that's huge. Um, and I also think the fact that he has appealed, uh, I don't think that African Americans are as motivated to vote against him um, as many of the white liberals are. So I think he's going to do better there. And then, of course, in Miami-Dade, he got blown out in Miami-Dade in 16. He lost by 30 points. Um, he's going to lose uh, the county because it's a Democrat county, but it's not going to be close to 30 points. I think he has a chance to cut the margin in half from 2016, but certainly he can cut it by a third. That's like a 100,000 vote swing, and I think that's he's really coalesced um, a lot of the Hispanics in southern Florida. He will win Hispanics in Miami-Dade County um, tomorrow. I mean, that is really quite remarkable and very positive, as a matter of fact. Now, let me ask you this, Governor. You know, Florida's unique in some ways, but on the other hand, people are people. So do you think this this sort of mindset and uh, this this kind of voting might occur in states like Pennsylvania and other states? Yeah, I mean, I think Florida's unique in terms of when you look at South Florida, we have a Hispanic population who's very sensitive to Marxism, Leninism, and leftism. They understand uh, either themselves, their parents, or grandparents, uh, how that destroys societies and destroys liberty. So in that sense, I think it's unique. On the other hand, I think his appeal to African Americans, I think you're going to see better margins, uh, a better percent uh, amongst African Americans across the country. And as you know, Mark, in a state like Pennsylvania, I mean, if he goes from 9% to 14% of African Americans, um, that's a big deal because the Democrats need those votes. It's hard for them to make up those votes anywhere else. And so I think you're going to see that in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, uh, in Wisconsin, and I think that that will be very beneficial uh, for the president. Here's the thing. We have um, in Florida, we like the votes get counted as they come in. They get published when the polls close, the early votes, the absentee votes, and then we get it out. So you're going to have Florida results, um, you know, hopefully relatively early in the, in the evening. I, when I came in, I, I accepted the resignation of Brenda Snipes in Broward County. I removed the Palm Beach supervisor. So we've improved those offices tremendously. So I think you're going to get that. And, and what I would say is, you know, Florida goes Trump. You know, Georgia and, and, um, and Ohio and North Carolina probably will as well. Then he really only needs one of those Midwestern states, and he's got 270. Doesn't even need Pennsylvania, does he? He does not need Pennsylvania. If he wins Arizona, if he wins all the traditional Republican states, Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Arizona, and he wins either Minnesota or Wisconsin, I think he does need to win Nebraska, too, and maybe Maine, too. Uh, but theoretically, he only needs one. He doesn't need Pennsylvania. He could do it with just Michigan. Um, and I think Minnesota is a sleeper. And that's really gone hard right uh, over the last uh, 10, 15 years. It just hasn't gone to the point where it's tipping Republican yet. But, I mean, that was a state that was guaranteed Democrat. It was very close in 16. I think the president's made a lot of gains in the northern part of the state there. So I think he's got some um, opportunities that the media is not um, you know, talking about. And just with Florida, I mean, we, we know full well doing elections here. You know, these media polls have been so wrong in Florida over the years. I mean, CNN said I was going to lose by 15 uh, when I ran for governor in 18. Uh, Quinnipiac had me losing the day of the election by seven points. So um, a lot of these media polls are not good polls. They just don't know what they're doing. Um, and so I think the president, I think they're underestimating the president's support. And that, even with that, I mean, in Florida, he's winning in a lot of these polls. Um, but I think some of those Midwestern states, I think his support may be underestimated. 
But you still need a good turnout tomorrow. Tell, tell the, the people who are going to vote for Trump tomorrow how important it is that they turn out tomorrow. Florida. Um, I mean, it's, if you love this country, um, if you believe in its ideals, uh, if you want to send a message to big tech, big media, all these forces that have been arrayed against the president and really by extension against us. I mean, they hate him because they really look down on broad swaths of the American people. Uh, you have a chance to make your voice heard in a way that may be unique, uh, Mark, in modern American history. I mean, 16 was a surprise. But all these people have been working for four years to run this guy out of office. They, they look at their media polls. They clutch those. They, they think that that's kind of, you know, what's going to get them through the election. And if he's able to get reelected because uh, conservatives surge to the polls tomorrow, I mean, it is going to be an epic victory. And so I would just tell people, uh, you can't sit on your hands. Uh, you can't do nothing. You've got to get out there. But if you do get out there and you bring friends and family, uh, you have a chance to really, really uh, do a lot for this country in a way. And all elections are important. Uh, but I think this one will be really, really significant. And I think not only will we be protecting our principles, our founding principles, in our economic system, but once and for all, we'll be sending a message to the hard left because the hard left is on this ballot. I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders has talked today with the with the uh, squad, saying we're going to pressure, you know, Biden movement. It it is it is a rejection of socialism and soft Marxism, don't you think? Without question, he picked Kamala Harris to be on his ticket. That is not going over well in southern Florida. She is further left than Bernie Sanders in the Senate based on based on her voting record. And I think the thing about Biden is and he's a career politician, kind of a blowhard senator. Um, he's malleable. But he is not strong enough to stand up to the left. He will fold every single time. So when he's calling lids on his campaign at 9 a.m. every day, just understand when he's president, he's just going to be in the White House residence, and it's going to be Kamala and Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and AOC who are running the show and running the government. And that should scare uh, every American who's not a dyed-in-the-wool left-winger. And the thing is, uh, in terms of Biden, you know, we were talking about minorities. The media have done a wonderful job covering up for him. I mean, really in his career in the Senate, he was working very closely with segregationists. He said some of the most horrific things about black people and jungles, and he didn't want his kids raised in jungles and so forth. The media in this, and look, you've had to deal with the media in this country all through this virus. The media in this country really is uh, intellectually corrupt, isn't it? No, without question. I mean, we're not even at the point where, you know, this is just they're very biased. Obviously, they've always had a bias. They actively seek to suppress the truth when it comes to things about Joe Biden. Uh, they are doing whatever they can to just simply ap- act as an appendage of the Democrat Party and Biden's campaign um, in a way that they've really never been this blatant before. And so I think sending a message to that, that we're sick of the phony narratives, we're sick of them smearing people, that you know, we're not left-wingers. We're sick of them dividing this country. I mean, they are the most divi- – the media is the most divisive force uh, in our society. When people talk about why we're divided, um, you know, they're exhibit A as to why we're divided. And so they will be crying on election night 
if Trump is reelected. I mean, they've been waiting for this for four years. They went after him before he even took the oath of office. I mean, they mm-hmm. were trying to drive him out. And so for, for the public to come out and, and speak um, in support of the president, uh, you know, that is a broadside against the media. And I think that they deserve it. I mean, look, Mark, if we could elect a new media in this country, yeah. um, you know, we would love that. I think we'd be much better off. We now have these large corporations like Comcast that owns NBC and MSNBC and AT&T owns CNN. There's, there's something perverse about this. Governor, uh, what, what time do the polls open in uh, Florida? Well, they um, it, and they uh, got the panhandle too. I know yeah, that so is a different clock. Seven to seven, most places. Uh, every place closes at seven. The panhandle is seven central. So Florida's polls statewide won't technically be closed till eight Eastern uh, because of those panhandle counties. And so, um, and then if you're going to drop off a ballot, you know, obviously it needs to be dropped off before that seven p.m. deadline. And so, get out there, go. The good thing is, is we've had so many people vote early and absentee that I don't think the lines will be too bad. Uh, so I think if you get out there early, middle of the day, whatever is best for you, um, I think it's going to be okay. And look, we um, have a chance if our if our voters show up like they always do, you know, we have a chance to, to punch this in the end zone tomorrow, which will be, this will be the first major call of the night that is really going to have the die being cast as a result of this for what will happen the rest of rest of the way. In fact, as he wins Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, look, it doesn't guarantee victory, but the odds are going to be in the president's favor at that point. And it's very, very important that the people who live in the panhandle, and I do this every four years because we're hurting the panhandle, that you get out and vote no matter what you hear about the rest of the state. you got to come out in big numbers and vote. Otherwise, you still could see this thing slip away, right, Governor? No, absolutely. Um, you know, we've we've got the voters ready. We know who typically votes, um, but they got to do it. And I think most of them want to do it, Mark. I think people are very excited about it, and our voters in particular. They want to put that ballot in the box themselves, and then you know, showing up on Election Day is a great way to be able to do it. They don't necessarily want to send the ballots through the mail anymore. Uh, they really like doing that, and, um, and it'll be great for, for so many of them to be able to do it. And we're going to have you know, tens of thousands of new Floridians who've never voted in Florida before, who've moved here. Uh, they're going to be able to cast a vote that matters if they move from Illinois or New Jersey or New York, um, and I think a lot of people are really excited about that. All right, Governor, we appreciate it. Governor DeSantis of Florida, God bless you, my friend. All right, God bless you, Mark. You know, once you register in Florida, that'll get us even closer. <laughs> so hopefully by the time I run in 22, you, you, uh, you and Julie will be registered down let me, here. Let me tell you a little secret. Next year is the year. All right. All right, Governor, God bless you. Thanks, Mark. And, and your care. beautiful family. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Mark in. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. 
Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Ladies and gentlemen, for several months, I've been urging you, I've been encouraging you not to listen to all the blabbermouths in the media, not to look at all the polls, they'll depress you and dispirit you. And I've been urging you to do something, and I started way back in August. Because early voting started like 60 days before the election. But I've been urging you to vote and to bring out five to ten other people. As many as you can. Maybe it's three, six, eight, whatever it is. That that is absolutely crucial. Now here's what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is that the Democrats have cannibalized a lot of their votes already. That is, they had people mailing in, doing absentee, voting early. A lot of Republicans did too. But there's a bigger number of Republicans out there who haven't voted yet in some of these states than Democrats. And this is why Governor DeSantis and the President and I are telling you, you got to turn out and vote and vote in big numbers Then the Red Army comes out. Then we will defeat them. Then we will defeat them. It's like a military wave, but in a political sense. We've got them where we want them right now. Please listen to me. We've got them where we want them. But we need millions and millions of you to turn out tomorrow on Election Day. I don't care how long the lines are. There are more of us left to vote than them. And that's exactly where we wanted them. You get my point, Mr. Producer? So if we turn out in large numbers, we will defeat them and we will hold the Senate and we will win the presidency and we could pick up the House. I don't know. People don't talk about the House. I do. I've spent a lot of time with you the past few months promoting House members. Listen, some of you are registered to vote. You're not planning to vote or you haven't voted in the recent past. We need you. We need you. The president needs you. Your children and grandchildren need you. Now many of you are saying, Mark, you're, you're singing to the choir. Okay. But I don't know all your family members and all your friends. I don't know all your co-workers and so forth. You know them all. It is you who need to reach out to them if they aren't listening to this program. And tonight's the night. To get on the phone, to email, to text. Tomorrow morning is the day. Now I'm hoping you're going to be the very first ones at your precinct to vote, those of you who haven't. And I hope you're going to bring your spouse or your significant other, your parents or your grandparents or your children and your grandchildren. Make it an event. Feel proud about it. It's our patriotic duty. To hand this country over to the next generation. 
and to defend ourselves. We are literally defending ourselves from a Marxist onslaught. We truly are. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know... I went up to my, well, the, the room I use to write my books and to read. And I started to pull books off the shelf during the break. Here's one book, Benjamin Franklin. The Writings of Benjamin Franklin. Another book, The Writings of Thomas Paine. No particular order. I started to pull them off. The writings and speeches of Abraham Lincoln, including the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Democracy in America, Alexis de Tocqueville's two brilliant volumes. The notes, Madison's notes of the debates in the Federal Convention of 1787, the Constitutional Convention. The brilliant letters between Adams and Jefferson. The writings of John Locke and Montesquieu, on whom the founders and their framers relied. Some of the writings of Aristotle. Some of the writings of Cicero. Edmund Burke. Adam Smith. I haven't even really pulled all the books that are so relevant to our founding, to Americanism. And I'm piling them up. Maybe I'll do this on Hannity. You might as well burn all those books if we lose this election tomorrow. Burn them. Because in their place is a a wretched ideology. A wretched ideology. They call progressivism. Progressivism is an American form of Marxism, Hegelism, Rousseauism, whatever ism you want to call it. Utterly foreign to our founding. All this genius. All these men. Utterly and completely rendered meaningless. Just burn the books. That's the purpose of the 1619 Project. That's the purpose of progressivism. The world begins today. Today, with the genius of the people today. Doesn't matter what happened at the Constitutional Convention. Doesn't matter what happened in the Second Continental Congress with the Declaration of Independence. The battles for independence are irrelevant. All the battles that have come before don't matter. 
if we lose this election. I saw a young man over at National Review Online. I forget his name, and I'm not trying to be provocative or rude. I just don't remember his name. He's a senior writer, contributor, or something over there. Daniel something, I believe. He wrote this very, very long treatise about himself and why he was a never-Trumper in 2016, and he's a never-Trumper today, and he can't vote for Trump over the word character. Character. It is a shocking, truly absurd piece. I don't mean to pick on him, but he's just one of many. When you consider what's at stake, and that you can sit on the sidelines and just watch it. Just watch it. Really shocking. I wish everybody had the character of the young man was so perfect in so many ways and so many other people. And yet when you think about Donald Trump in the office of the presidency, what has he done in terms of his character that's so horrific? Has he broken the law? Has he done something immoral? Has he dipped into the intern pool? Has he sicked the IRS on anybody? The FBI on anybody? Were they the way Obama did both? No. Does he want to fundamentally destroy our institutions or is he fighting to defend them and protect them? Yes. What has he done to deserve the acrimony? Really quite shocking. But he's not the only one on the ballot. All these men, all this history, all this genius is on the ballot. All of it. The Democrats have announced what they intend to do to this society. They intend to turn it inside out. Not just our governing system, which would be bad enough. They're going to burn down the Supreme Court. Not literally, but effectively. They're going to burn down the United States Senate, thereby the entire Congress. The legislative process. They're going to go after the Electoral College. They want to turn America into a one-party system where you are ruled by the Democrat Party, not the rule of law. And this didn't move the young man. What about the character of those who will hold power should they win? Does it bother him? Nancy Pelosi's character, Chuck Schumer's character, Joe Biden's character. Did it even occur to him to think about the character of the people who would be wielding power over the rest of us? No, not in the least. Unbelievable. It's amazing. When they talk about John Kennedy, they never talk about character. When they talk about Lyndon Johnson, they never talk about character. If you read Unfreedom of the Press, you'll know what kind of characters they really were in so many respects. It's awful. I can tell you what Donald Trump did not do. He didn't befriend segregationists and racists the way Biden did. He didn't have an official position to use and abuse to try and destroy men like Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas, and so many others. Biden did. It's really quite amazing. 
when you consider what's at stake. Kamala Harris in a video Twitter yesterday had the following to say in part, cut two, go. So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we could get the same amount, but you're still going to be that far back behind me. Okay, I I don't know what kind of uh, lingo that is that she's using, but okay, go ahead. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. So we all end up at the same place and we all start out at the same place. Does that sound like the human condition? We all start out at the same place and we all end up at the same place? Is that what you want, America? You know what that's called? A concentration camp. You know, that's called Mao's China, North Korea. Equality without liberty is totalitarianism. Equality without liberty is totalitarianism. Notice what else she doesn't talk about. Individual free will. If somebody works harder than you or me, and they earn more, they deserve more. If somebody invents something that saves the lives of tens of thousands of people, they deserve more than I get. And who cares if they get it? They're not taking from me. It's of no consequence to me. It's amazing to hear politicians speak this way when they have no intention of winding up the same place as all the rest of us. Look at the Obamas. Any opportunity to make millions, they grab it. Look at the Bidens. Any opportunity to make millions, they grab it. Look at the Gores. Any opportunity to make millions, they grab it. What do they mean, equality and equity? What kind of semantical game is this? And who determines that we're all starting out at the same place and ending at the same place? Well, it's either a fascist regime or a Marxist regime or something of the sort. They decide, because you're not living in a free country. Not once does she talk about the individual. Not once does she talk about free will. Not once does she talk about personal responsibility and accountability. You're to start out at the same place, and you're the end the same place. Is that how you think, ladies and gentlemen? Is that what you believe? Is that what you feel? In her heart of hearts, she doesn't feel that way about herself. She has no intention of living that way. The Obamas don't. The Bidens don't. The Pelosi's don't. So what is she talking about? I've written about it for 20 years. The masses, the workers, they don't see you as people. Marx didn't see you as people. Hegel didn't see you as people. Rousseau didn't see you as people. That's why you're so expendable. That's why if you don't like their plans, you're to be fined or arrested. 
If you don't like government-run health care, too damn bad. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, Levin Podcast, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right. Stanley Kurtz, I wanted to bring you on the program this evening. Mark, thanks to so talk, much for having me. It's my pleasure. I want you to talk to the American people who live in our suburbs and explain to them, once again, what's at stake in this election. Absolutely, Mark. Uh, well, the Biden administration, if it exists, will be a continuation of Obama on the issue of the suburbs. And just before his term ended, Obama put in a very radical regulation called Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. And the goal of that was really to have the feds take control of the suburbs to make decisions on things like zoning, transportation, even education policy, and all with the goal of undercutting the political and economic independence of the suburbs, spreading that money around, that suburban tax money around to the greater metropolitan area, trying to do a kind of um, ethnic, economic, racial, nationality, bean counting of where everyone lives, uh, coercing people out of their cars to the extent possible, uh, in general, running the lives of suburbanites and let a, instead of allowing them to run their own lives. Single-family housing, what would happen? Well, the Biden administration really would like to eliminate single-family zoning. That means eliminating the fundamental core character of America's suburbs, a house with a yard, plenty of parking, quiet, safe neighborhood where your kids can walk to school. All of that would be out the window. And this would be enforced uh, with remarkably, remarkably draconian regulations. Biden favors something called the HOME Act, which was originally proposed by Senator Cory Booker. This would hold all federal funding for transportation repairs, highway repairs and such, hostage to the suburbs, eliminating single-family zoning. So at that point, really, there isn't even a question of choice. You can't uh, turn down the grant, so to speak. You pretty much have to capitulate, because if there's one thing the suburbs need, it's to have their roads repaired and to be connected to new arteries when they're constructed. So this would be a very coercive policy of eliminating the classic character of the suburbs by people, frankly, who don't much like 
suburbs or the idea of suburbs. What about schools, the location of schools, the size of schools, uh, who attend schools? Who would be in charge of that? Absolutely, Mark. This is a huge issue. The truth is that that, uh, affirmatively furthering fair housing would uh, begin to bring the federal government into considerable control of school districts, where you place your school, how you draw your boundary lines, who uh, who is admitted to your schools, Um, All of that would be uh, in the control of the federal government, and uh, there were efforts during the Obama-Biden administration to go further than that and to potentially start redistributing suburban tax money out to the broader metropolitan area. So, again, there really is an ideological axe to grind by the Democrats. They don't like the idea of suburbs, the idea that suburban school districts uh, you know, might be uh, better off in some ways than other school districts instead of seeing that as a kind of engine that makes people work hard and and that builds the American dream. They see that as a kind of unfairness which they want to stop. And so really suburban school districts would be in the crosshairs. Is this what Kamala Harris meant today when she said we need to start out from an equal position and end in an equal position? Absolutely, Mark. This is when you hear this this term equity. Uh, there is this belief that you know if you have a suburban area and their tax receipts are higher than a nearby city on a per pupil basis, then uh, then there's a belief by the Democrats that that's fundamentally wrong, and they have to pass the rules and regulations necessary to get that tax money and spread it out evenly. And uh, of course, that also eliminates your local control. Uh, they don't like again these zoning ideas, and uh, so and once by the way, once your zoning goes, it isn't just a question of having the federal government demand some um, uh, high density public housing in the center of town near transportation, although that will happen. But once that your zoning has been eliminated, let's say your neighbor on a quiet residential street wants to retire and they sell their house, well. A developer could come in and build a fourplex or a sixplex, maybe even an aplex on that property. So you'll start to see the fundamental character of neighborhood streets uh, changing. And at the same time, Biden and uh, Harris talk about this word re-imaging, which I now realize is a sort of a neo-Marxist term I keep coming across in their stuff that I'm researching. This re-imaging of police departments. So re-imaging of police departments, really the devouring of the suburbs into more of a city, metropolitan-like situation. Um, well, there's a lot of people in the suburbs, and we only have 30 segments. Say, I don't believe that. Joe Biden's a moderate. So what do you do to convince them? Well, you look at his platform. He's got this platform with Bernie Sanders, uh, and even the platform he had before Bernie Sanders is really remarkably radical. And if you actually go to the liberal websites, they keep having these articles with headlines like, Biden is going to be transformative, really, exclamation point, convincing their own readers, and quite correctly, that his platform really has become leftist. And the truth is, I've read it, it has. So the suburbs have an enormous amount to lose in this election if Joe Biden's elected president of the United States. Stanley Kurtz, thank you for your courage, my friend. Much appreciated. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. Reminder, I will be on Hannity on Fox tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. I hope you'll join us. This is the evening before Election Day when we will all meet at the precinct in massive numbers. And we will do our job for our country. All Levinites and all patriots. And you're going to bring your family members and friends with you if you haven't voted yet. And if you have and they haven't voted, you've got to work the phones, you've got to work your email and your texts. Yes, annoy them and harass them until they vote. Everything's at, on stake here. Everything's on the line. And no less a, an iconic figure than Dr. Thomas Sowell said so to me on July 12, 2020, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. This is for you. Cut one, go. I want to know if you agree with me or not. You don't have to, obviously. I see the 1860 election and the 1864 election as the two most important elections in American history. And now I see 2020 as one of the most important elections in history, even apart from the candidates. We're talking about the 1776 project versus the 16. 19 project, and you can see where the Democrats have tied into the 1619 project, and many of the Republicans are trying to defend the founding in the 1776 project. Do you see it that way? Well, what I, what I see is that if the, the uh, election go, goes to Biden, that, that there's, there's a good chance that the Democrats will then control all three, all, all the two branches of Congress and the White House, and considering the kinds of things that they're proposing, uh, that could well be the point of no return for this country. The point of no return for this country. The point of no return for this country. The great Thomas Sowell has never spoken like that before. He's written scores of books, thousands of columns, been on hundreds of television shows, the old firing line show of Buckley and Free to Choose with Friedman. He truly is one of our greats. And he said, if Biden is elected, there's a good chance the Democrats will then control two branches of Congress and the White House. And of course, back then they weren't talking about openly, they did somewhat, taking over the, the judiciary. 
He said, considering the kinds of things they're proposing, that could well be the point of no return for this country. The point of no return for this country. And now you know why I've been on this mission for months to encourage you to get as many people to vote as possible. It's not enough if you vote on your own. It's just not enough. It's absolutely crucial. I want to read to you in part from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which yesterday, Sunday, editorialized in support of Donald Trump for president. You won't read this at National Review. You won't read this among some of the old conservative magazines and sites, and that's very, very unfortunate because I think they've lost their way. But it's of no consequence. You heard what Thomas Sowell had to say. I believe Bill Buckley would say the same thing, and, and others would say the same thing, given what's, what's on the line here. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is a really Democrat newspaper. And it hasn't supported a Republican for president in almost half a century, since Nixon in 72. This is a newspaper that is read by liberals in Pittsburgh, but also hardworking blue-collar workers. And here's what they wrote. Quote, he's unpresidential, he's crude and unkind, he's just not a good man, unquote. These things and much worse are commonly said of President Trump. His personality totally eclipses his record. So we seemingly have him on the dunk tank, ready for a very cold bath. Let's play dumb the lout. But is this really what it's about? Is this really what it's about? Isn't the real question they write whether he's been taking the country and the economy of this region, western Pennsylvania, and so much of the country, in the right direction these last four years? Can we separate the man from the record? Now, they talk about his rudeness and so forth. They say that can't be justified. They would prefer first-class temperament and demeanor of a Winston Churchill, Dwight Eisenhower, Franklin Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan, Obama, and so forth. None of them are on the ballot this year. But let's look at the Trump record. Under Donald Trump, the economy pre-COVID boomed like no time since the 1950s. Look at your 401k over the past three years. Unemployment for black Americans is lower than it has ever been under any president of either party. Under Mr. Trump, our trade relationships have vastly improved and our trade deals have been rewritten. Thanks to him, middle America is on the map again. And the Appalachian, an hourly worker, has some hope. Has Mr. Trump done enough enough for these struggling fellow citizens? No, but he recognized them. Maybe he wasn't articulate, but he recognized their pain. No one ever asked the American people or the people in flyover country if they wanted to send their jobs abroad until Mr. Trump. He's moved the debate in both parties from free trade, totally unfettered, to managed or fair trade. He's put America first, just as he said he would. Now, I don't happen to agree with all this, by the way, but this is a powerful editorial, certainly for people in this community. You also kept this promise to appoint originalists to the Supreme Court of the United States. His third appointment, Amy Coney Barrett, is the best of all. 
a jurist whose mind and character and scholarship are first class. We hope she stands against both judicial and excessive and executive excesses. Finally, let's talk about one of the most important concerns in this region, energy. Again, this is the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Under Mr. Trump, the United States achieved energy independence for the first time in the lifetimes of most of us. Where would western Pennsylvania be without the Shell petrochemical complex? Donald Trump may not be Churchill, to be sure, but he gets things done. He may not be a unifier. He often acts like the president of his base, not the whole country. And they go on. But he has handled the pandemic. Has he handled it perfectly? No. But no one masters a pandemic. And the president was and is right that we must not cower before the disease and we have to keep America open and working. But the Biden-Harris ticket offers us higher taxes and a nanny state that will bow to the bullies and the woke who would tear down history rather than learning from history and building up the country. It offers an end to fracking and other cuckoo California dreams that will cost the economy and the people who most need work right now. Good-paying green jobs, quote-unquote, are probably not jobs for Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Toledo or Youngstown. It offers softness on China, which Mr. Trump understands is our enemy. Mr. Biden is too old for the job and fragile. There's a very real chance he will not make it through the term. Mr. Trump is also old, but seemingly robust. But in Mike Pence, Mr. Trump is a vice president ready to take over if need be. He's a safe pair of hands. Senator Kamala Harris gives no evidence of being ready to be president. This newspaper has not supported a Republican for president since 1972. But we believe Mr. Trump, for all his faults, is the better choice this year. We respect and understand those who feel otherwise. And they say they wish they could be more enthusiastic. We hope the president could be more statesmanlike and so forth. Vote your conscience, and whatever happens, believe in the country, they say. It's the best you're going to get out of a liberal Democrat newspaper. But nonetheless, it's a fairly strong endorsement of the President of the United States. What they're saying is, like, you don't have to agree with everything the President says or does, obviously. Whether it's personal or substantive or whatever. But you're making a choice between two men and their running mates. And it's not even close. So I began piling up books. What are you talking about, Mark? I told you, I began taking books off my shelves. Because I'm going to be on in Hannity at 9.30 p.m. Then I'm saying, what else can I possibly say? And I pulled books off the shelf that were written by Cicero. The Roman philosopher who challenged... Caesar and died as a result had been a senator Aristotle perhaps the the greatest genius of all time the Athenian books with essays and speeches and writings John Locke who's so responsible for so much what this country was founded on Montesquieu, separation of powers and the spirit of the laws and so many, again, important things that he wrote and thought about. 
four or five hundred years ago. The Renaissance. I took books off the shelf, the Madison's Notes of the Constitutional Convention, the various drafts of the Declaration of Independence, the writings I told you of Franklin, the writings of Jefferson, the writings of Adams, the letters between Jefferson and Adams, the writings and speeches of Lincoln, the Lincoln-Douglas debates, the two volumes of Democracy in America by the Tocqueville genius. Stacks of books that I've read from beginning to end. From the most brilliant people to ever live. Then I took the document, the 110 page manifesto, and I put it on the other side. And I said to myself, and I'm saying to you, are you prepared to trade all that genius, all that brilliance, all that history, ancient and relatively modern, all the thinking of those men, the experience of those men, for Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders' 110-page document? See, it doesn't take wisdom, judgment, brilliance, experience, knowledge of history to write a 110-page document that nationalizes, in effect, every decision we make in this culture and society. It takes crude, narcissistic, ideologically driven individuals who are not particularly intelligent, but are very power-hungry. They're a dime a dozen. The Joe Bidens of the world and the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders, they're a dime a dozen. Not the Aristotles and the Ciceros, not the Jeffersons and the Franklins, not the Thomas Sowells and the Bill Buckleys. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, Levin Podcast, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Here's the simple truth. 
If more of us vote tomorrow than them, we win. How do you like that? You know, we're very competitive when it comes to, many of us, when it comes to sports. We're very competitive when it comes to all kinds of things in our life, our careers. That same competitiveness competitiveness needs to be projected into our vote. Not so much a team sport. Well, maybe it is a team sport. We're team liberty. They're team tyranny. It's really that simple. Now, team liberty needs to defeat team tyranny. Not to get physical about it. We just need to vote. We need to make sure as many other people vote as possible. And then we defeat them. We crush them. So as I was saying, this isn't very complicated. It just requires a little bit of energy tomorrow. Some of you, you're uncomfortable doing it or maybe you have other things to do. Don't be uncomfortable and don't have other things to do. You know, look around you. We have so many people who volunteer to do so many wonderful things. Whether it's with the church or synagogue or whether it's for the vets, whether it's for dogs, whatever it is. Tomorrow needs to be the day that you put aside for your country. Even many of you who've already served and have given far more than you can, we, me, can possibly imagine. Tomorrow's the day. We are set up for a big victory if we turn out bigly. We're set up for a big victory. The Democrats, they have fired off a lot of their weapons with their mail-in voting. They're getting ready to try and steal the election. You can hear the Attorney General of Pennsylvania. He tweeted out that that if all the Democrats vote and all the, uh, all the votes are added up properly in Pennsylvania, there's no way Donald Trump can win. This is a, uh, a slip and fall lawyer dressed up as an attorney general. But tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day to put everything else aside <clears throat> and focus solely and wholly on saving your republic, saving your country for your children and your grandchildren. That's all it's about. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, We have them on the run, ladies and gentlemen. We have them on the run. We have those who embrace tyranny wittingly and unwittingly on the run. They've sent their forces out the last 60 days to to vote early. Not all of them, but a whole lot of them. 
mail-in voting, absentee voting, in-person early voting, and I did that myself, and it was very easy. And so many of their forces, if you will, are spent. There's so many, so many areas of overlap between military operations and political operations. And again, I'm not talking about violence or anything of the kind. You're smart enough to understand that. The New York Times is not. I'm talking about strategies. So they sent in their biggest wave of voters. They urged them, encouraged them, please vote early and vote often. And many of you did as well, for which I am, and the nation is quite grateful. But more of us than them have held back until tomorrow. Because millions and millions of you wanted to vote in person on election day, as is the tradition of the nation. So tomorrow determines, the voting tomorrow determines whether we remain a free country, a republic, a republic with a constitution, with separate branches of government, or not. All elections are important. All elections are very important. But they're not this important. You know, as a young man, I worked in campaigns, as you know, for Ronald Reagan in 76, for Ronald Reagan in 80, for Reagan in 84. Served in his administration. We've talked about other candidates in the past, Republicans versus Democrats. You and I, we've never been as engaged emotionally, soulfully, intellectually as we are in this race. Not even in 2016. Because the Democrat Party has changed in four years. It was bad enough under Obama, but now it's out of the closet. It is not a party that represents the principles and ideas of the founding. It rejects them. It openly rejects them. The radicals of the 1960s are the individuals who effectively lead the Democrat Party today. You know, I call them Marxists. And there was a long period of time when I was the only one who would call them Marxists. Other people in TV and radio were a little nervous about it, but I know about Marx. Marx is Marx. And now, they don't even cringe when you call them Marxists, do they, Mr. Producer? They're proud of it. The Communist Party USA supports Joe Biden for President of the United States. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's shocking. And yet, it gets no media attention whatsoever. Absolutely amazing to me. Because the nation is being dragged to the hard left. And you see, when the Democrats take over, they're not much interested anymore in the popular will. They cloak their iron fist and their Marxism-Fascism in the popular will, 
They do it in China. They do it in North Korea. They even do it in California. But they don't give a damn what you think. You're not an individual to them. You're part of a group. You're either part of their preferred group or a hated group. Preferred groups are groups that support them. Hated groups are groups that don't support them. You have certain liberties enshrined in the Constitution. But the Constitution is not self-executing. That is, it can be the most beautiful document mankind has ever created and the best government mankind has ever established. But it's not self-executing. And so every now and then we get a say in our government. Not often, but now and then. And the now is here. It's the here and now. And so you need to turn out in mass, a massive force tomorrow. And if you already voted, don't sit back tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day to get on the phone or to get on you know, or to text or to email or whatever however you communicate with friends and family and to make the rounds. Did you vote? You need a ride? Grandma, can I help can I help you? Frank, come on, Frank. You say you're not sure. You gotta be sure. This one's for all the marbles. Because Tom Sowell is right. If Biden wins, it's a point of no return. Because they are running on a mandate. And that mandate is extraordinarily dangerous to those of us who embrace constitutionalism. Maybe think of it this way. I want you to think of all the men and women who have died in defense of this country. First, to secure our liberty, then to protect it. What do you think they're saying to you from their graves? What do you think they're saying to you? We didn't give our lives for this. For people who disrespect us. For people who besmirch us while we're in our graves. We didn't give our lives for this. We gave our lives so you could live in liberty. So you could live in a country that evolves over time. A country that is civil. A country that's beautiful. Joe Biden is not running on a positive agenda. Joe Biden doesn't talk up America. I don't know the last time the word liberty passed Joe Biden's lips. Joe Biden doesn't talk about constitutionalism. He won't even tell us the kind of people he's going to put on the Supreme Court. Only a tyrant would do that. They're hiding the names. Trying to slip into the Oval Office and then they'll impose these people upon us. They're utterly and completely dishonest. They're intellectually corrupt. Over 200 years of magnificent history flushing down the toilet. For what? For what? A dime store politician? With a low IQ? Who's too old to be President of the United States? Who's too fragile to handle the day-to-day job? 
for a vice president of the United States who's a radical after two years in the Senate is talking about how everybody needs to start in equality and end in equity, like she's some kind of philosopher king trying to distinguish the two words. Start in equality and end in equity? Marx would have been proud. She knows nothing about everything. And everything about nothing. These are ideologues. These aren't statesmen. These aren't people with experience. All of you men and women, all of you men and women who are the lower middle class or the middle class, these people don't give a damn about you. When they talk about shutting down your industries and your businesses and retraining you, they don't know who you are. They don't know who your family is, your grandparents. They don't know anything about you. They throw around these lines, these lies. They're going to retrain you. Retrain you to do what? Politicians are going to retrain you. Joe Biden's been in government 47 years. Where's all the retraining? Where's all the success? There isn't any. Kamala Harris comes out of California in that radical Democrat Party environment. Look what they've delivered to the people of California. The highest taxes in the country. Even higher than New York. Brownouts and blackouts. Massive killer fires. To me, the most beautiful state in the country. That's just my opinion. I don't live there. The most beautiful state in the country. And they've destroyed it. Republicans don't have a chance. They took over power and they were never going to give it back. Now people who've lived in California, their families for generations, are leaving. They're speaking with their feet. They've had enough. Well, if the entire country becomes California, or New York, or New Jersey, or Illinois, where are we going to go? We're going to leave our own country? I actually hear people talking about that. I have a better idea. Turn out tomorrow. Turn out tomorrow. Bring your circle of family and friends and associates. Turn out tomorrow. Proudly. Get in line. Proudly vote. And defeat this tyranny. Push back. Show them who's boss. We the people. We're the bosses. Now the Democrats and the media are already working hand in glove. This reprobate, James Clyburn, the number three Democrat in the House, is basically saying that if the Democrats lose, it's as a result of Republican suppression of the vote. He's a very unstable man in my view. He's a demagogue. But he's not the only one. The Attorney General of Pennsylvania, very unstable man and a demagogue. We can't lose if all the votes are counted in Pennsylvania, sure. They even sound fascistic, don't they? Everything will go well if they win. If they don't win, well then of course, 
something horrific has happened, racism, you never know. The same people who point the finger at Donald Trump. It's amazing to me how they turn events on their heads. You've been seeing pictures all day, one city after another, one street after another, where they're boarding up stores. From one inner city community to another. Whether it's Beverly Hills, or whether it's the streets of Newark. They're boarding up the stores. Why? Why, who is going to riot? Who is going to loot? Who is going to commit acts of arson? The Democrats. The Democrats. We've now normalized violence. Because we're re-imaging law enforcement and the police. We're re-imaging them. There needs to be less police and more rioters. So the Democrats can get their way. Control the courts. Control the legislatures. And control the streets. The courts, the legislatures, and the streets. Your vote tomorrow is one of the most important things you'll do outside of family matters. It's one of the most important things you'll do. And what a mitzvah it'll be, as we Jews like to say, if you're able to bring several people with you to vote or if you've already voted to get several people to vote. What a righteous act that would be. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let us go to Michelle, Baltimore, Maryland, XM Satellite. Michelle, how are you? Thank God, I'm fine. I want to thank you. I am honored to be talking to you. I feel like thank I'm you. speaking to a member of my family. Thank so, you. And by the way, I already have an autographed copy of On Freedom of the Press. I just want to let you know. Okay. Wow, so, congratulations. So do I. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So there I was. It was probably Thursday night, and I was listening to you, and you were saying... Urge your friends, get your neighbors, get them out, get them out to vote. And I'm saying to myself, it was 10 o'clock at night when I was listening to you. I already did that. What else could I possibly do? And all of a sudden it hit me. That's right. 
I um, I had started a group of, of women and drafted that over 200 women. I have their emails, and we've been doing this for a number of years. It's a it's a self help kind of a group, and I said, you know what, I could send out an email to every one of those ladies. Of course, I had to pass it by as kind of a quasi board of ladies that work with me, but I got a consensus, and uh, and since. Many of us are Sabbath observers. We're running out of time because we don't write on Saturday, mm-hmm. and we can't vote on Sunday. So there was a certain amount of urgency to get this out as soon as possible. So there were three major points, and I think you would like this. The first of them was that uh, a member of our group had her first grandchild in Jerusalem, Israel, and we said that she received a, pres- a present from the current administration because her granddaughter will be the first one to have of her gra- of her children to have printed on her passport listed born in Jerusalem, Israel. All right, now That's stop there. I want I want everyone to understand what's going on here. Never before has the American State Department, the American government, permitted the word Jerusalem to be on that passport because they were concerned about how the Palestinians and the other Arab and Muslim countries would react and now it's Jerusalem, Israel. This means everything to Jews and the Israeli people. This was done by the President of the United States, his ambassador and his staff and this is a big deal, isn't it? Indeed. So you like the next part of it because I quoted from... But we're going to run out of time. Okay, so quickly. So Ronald Reagan, in his 1967 inauguration address, he said that that freedom could be lost in one generation. Correct. Okay? So we said, no, no, we disagree with Ronald Reagan. We believe that that um, it is only one election away from losing our freedom. Well, now it is. All right, my friend. I want to thank you very, very much for a very smart call. And juxtapose that with what Kamala Harris is doing again in the Jewish voice, our friends at Breitbart. She, Kamala Harris, uh, made an unannounced stop in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, She also did an interview with the Dearborn-based Arab American News. And what did she say? They're going to support reinstating aid to the Palestinians, of course, which was used to uh, subsidize terrorism against the Jews there and Americans. They want to reopen the Palestinian Liberation Organization mission office in Washington. They want to open a U.S. consulate in Jerusalem, even though we already have an embassy. In other words, she ticked off every one of our bosses and the Palestinian Authority's boxes. And they will completely undermine all the peace efforts that have been made in advance there. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Just a reminder, I will be on Hannity... 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Also a reminder, tomorrow night is our big election coverage program, 6 to 9 p.m. Um, we do this really every two years, but every four years for the presidential election, we do it in a big way. We monitor all the states. We monitor all the various information sites, not just one, not just two. Uh, and I use my many, many years of experience in analyzing these things as we've done in the past, those of you who've been with us, there's really nothing like it. Uh, If your station doesn't carry us live, uh, there are many ways to listen to the program live. Mark Levin Show, we have two apps on Mark Levin Show app and the uh, iHeartRadio app. We also have uh, live streaming on their mother website. We call it the mothership, marklevinshow.com. You can also hear us on Satellite Live. And you can also... uh, If there's another station out there carrying us live, you can go on their website and, of course, stream that as well. But you're going to want to listen to the program live. And uh, uh, I I think you don't want to listen. You don't want to hear all the people dispiriting you. I will tell you the truth. I don't play games about this stuff. On the other hand, I'm not going to spin it against the president either. So, I mean, we called Pennsylvania four years ago while Fox was sitting on it for another hour or two. Right, Mr. Producer? No offense. But I'm from Pennsylvania. I know what these counties are doing. And so we'll want to keep an eye on these various things, and we can do this together. So here was Joe Biden in Iowa on Friday. Listen very carefully. Cut eight. Go. You know how I know how hard it is? More than 200, and now I think it's up to 30,000 people have died. America's dead because COVID-19, nearly 1,700 dead Right here in Iowa. All right. He said America is dead. Did he not, Mr. Producer? Play it one... Folks, I want you to listen in. There's a reason for this. It's important. Let's hone in. Let's do it together. Cut eight. Go. You know how... I know how hard it is. More than 200 and now, I think it's up to 30,000 people have died. America's dead because COVID-19, nearly 1,000... America is dead because COVID-19. Facebook used PolitiFact, which is a left-wing site. It's a front group for this group called Pointner, which is left-wing and associated with the Tampa News Organization. And they said he did not say America is dead, that that is a mostly or partly false comment on my part. You heard it, America. You all heard it. America is dead. Not Americans are dead. America is dead. And so they use this third-party group. They pick a left-wing group, which is a front group that I have tackled and, and wrestled with before. That dings me and gives me the scarlet letter that what I said and what I linked to was partly, if not mostly, false. And I had first seen it on Breitbart. Then I went to Hot Air, another respectable site, 
with Allah Pundit and so forth, they drew the same conclusion as I drew and as Breitbart drew, and as all of you have drawn. And I linked to it again, and I said, this group, this PolitiFact is dishonest, it's liberal, and Facebook ding me, and they shouldn't be dinging me. What did they do then? Then they knocked me out. Then they knocked me out. Facebook is fascistic. It's fascistic. They've just sent us a letter, one, two, three, four, five, six bullets, things we can do if they want to lift the restrictions. I'm not doing anything. I'm encouraging you to follow me. At, go to Parlor and follow me at Mark Levin Show. Or go to Twitter and follow me at Mark Levin Show. At Mark L-E-V-I-N Show. At Parlor, we have over 1.2 million followers. We only have about 1.57 million on Facebook. Let's go ahead and get to 2 million followers on Parlor. Let's leave them behind. Now we're going to, when we post, we'll post simultaneously on all three sites. But come join me. Come join me. I'm not reading the comments anymore over at Facebook. I'll read them at Parlor and at Twitter. I don't quite trust Twitter, but so far, so good. And so we're not going to jump through the hoops. We're not going to do all that on election eve when this group PolitiFact colluding with Facebook tried to limit our reach. Facebook and Zuckerberg can go to hell. They can go to hell. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. Now they're on our radar. They weren't always on my radar. They're on my radar now. The last three months they've been uh, unrelenting in their intimidation tactics. But I don't intimidate very easily. It's that simple. Shut down D.C. rebellion must be met with unsparing force of law. I'm with Quinn Hillier here in the Washington Examiner. Federal and local officials should now be planning to conduct mass arrests and prosecutions of participants, especially organizers of a planned insurrection called Shut Down D.C. Every time I mention the Insurrection Act, the George Soros Front Group, which apparently supports looting, arson, and rioting, as long as it's done by their fellow Democrats over there at Media Matters, they get all worked up which is fine by me. If this occurs, the president should, as I've said over and over again, he should trigger the Insurrection Act of 1807, which has been used multiple times by presidents from Jefferson forward, the George H.W. Bush. And it's been used by presidents for reasons less severe than this. This is an insurrection. These are people who are telling us they're going to commit acts of violence, They've already held, as uh, Hillier points out, a virtual training called Escalating Resistance in Times of Crisis Mass Rebellion. It involved, quote, planning for social disruption in economic centers using creative tactics. We'll explore some differences between protest and rebellion. Okay, great. They have basically defined what is necessary to trigger the Insurrection Act. It needs to be put down, these individuals. If they're violent, then they need to be arrested and thrown in prison. That's what needs to happen. They're talking about mass rebellion training, numerous direct action training sessions, 
coordinated roadblock training. This is all Marxist Alinsky I crap. A rebellion. So Shutdown DC has already published an interactive map showing the homes of business locations of people with some relation to the Republican National Committee and Trump boosters, along with bridges uh, they appear to be considering cutting off and shutting down, worse, including marches against the media outlets. But as he points out, if they attempt any of these things, their efforts must be crushed with every legal, accessible force. Yes, police, federal officials, and National Guards. They should use the least lethal force, the least injurious means possible, but they need to quash it. This is uh, anti-government Marxist stuff. That's exactly what it is. He's right, and I've been saying that myself. This isn't a peaceful protest. These are Democrats. These are leftists. These are mostly college students or recent college grads, and too damn bad. Some of them include their professors. Some of them are bureaucrats. But enough is enough. And I suspect after the election... No, I don't know as a fact, but I suspect after the election president will have more leeway to do exactly that. Law and order is a must in a civil society. We cannot allow Democrats to bring us to our knees. And notice how few Democrats criticize this. Almost none. Almost none. That's funny. I'm not the only one who noticed this. That Kamala Harris who grew up in part in Canada, all of a sudden was using a southern accent. Did you notice that too, Mr. Producer? I think I pointed that out, didn't I? I said, what, what, what accent is that? Where'd that come from? Doesn't matter, folks. These people will be whatever they need to be, but in the end, they're hardcore leftists. They can taste victory, but you can prevent it. We can taste victory in their defeat. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Wife runs Julie. She's been working her took us off the last several months with our dog Marty, and that's Marty encouraging you to vote. And so this family does exactly what we encourage other people to do. Now these are the last few minutes I have with you before tomorrow morning, and we'll join again at 6 p.m. 
Eastern Time tomorrow for the final leg of this campaign. I just want you to know that we do not have to accept tyranny, that we do not have to accept joblessness and a bleak future. We do not have to accept dictates from Washington, D.C. and lifetime politicians and lifetime bureaucrats. You can protect your lifestyle. You can protect your family. And most of all, you can protect your country. Nobody's asking you to go to war. What's being asked of you is to fight back, to vote tomorrow. Many of you have already voted. As I say, don't sit back. You need to get your friends and family, co-workers to vote too. All of us do. You are the Paul Revere's on the horse, warning people that the tyrants are coming. You're the Thomas Paines, encouraging people to get out and defend themselves and promote liberty. That's what you're all about. That's what we're all about. When we say this is the most important election of our lifetimes, if not in American history, it's no joke. The framers of the Constitution never believed that liberty would actually be on the ballot for any election. But it is today. Liberty or tyranny, that's your choice. As I said earlier in the program, the Democrats are spent. The vast majority of Democrats were encouraged to vote early. There's still millions more, don't get me wrong. But about 65% of the vote they expect has already voted. Now there's more of us left than them to vote. More of us left than them. Now is the time to take the hill. Now is the time to join our forces together. I don't care what town you're in. I don't care what state you're in. Blue, red, purple, it's of no consequence. We need to show them that we are not going to surrender. We need to show them that we're not going to put up with a fascistic agenda. That we love our Constitution. That we love our flag. That we bow and take a knee to nobody other than our God. We need to show the media in this country that they don't get to propagandize us and then think like drones. We're going to all line up and do as they command. Quite the opposite. We need to show all elements in this culture. We need to show them who we are and we need to stand up. We've had enough of the riots in the streets. We've had enough of Joe Biden and the dime store politician. We've had enough of Obama and the fundamental transformation of America. We've had enough of these Marxist college professors. We've had enough of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. We've had enough of the attacks on law enforcement and our fellow citizens and our hardworking men and women who built these small stores that now watch them burn. We do not have to put up with this. And tomorrow's the day. For those who have not voted, tomorrow's the day. For those who have voted, tomorrow's still the day to get out more people to vote. We need to show up in a massive number. Shock the pollsters. Shock the hosts on TV. Shock all the experts. Many of you are listening to me in your cars. Some of you drive trucks or taxis or Ubers. Many of you are listening to me on your dinner tables. However you're listening to me, I know your ears are perked up right now. 
We're in this together. My family and your family. One generation to the next. We're not asking much. We're not asking much. From Lexington and Concord to Yorktown, the battles of the Revolutionary War, the battles following the Revolutionary War, the Civil War with all the carnage, World War I, World War II, carnage beyond belief, to modern times, the Vietnam, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Iraq, Afghanistan, everything since and everything in between. There are people who have no respect for this country. They have no respect for our history. They have no respect for what's come before. AOC, Presley, Omar, Talib, Sanders, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden has spent his entire life on the government payroll. He's a taker. You've paid his salary. You've paid his pension. You've paid his medical costs for his entire life. Donald Trump is a patriot who loves this country and loves the American people. He's created jobs. He's created taxpayers. He's helped families feed their children. The choice is stark. Do you choose liberty or do you choose tyranny? If you don't vote and help other people to vote, then you're with the other side. Levinites and patriots, what else can I say? Good luck tomorrow and go get them. Let's roll. And I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.